This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Alright, good morning everybody. Um, I'm going to try and multitask this morning as uh, I'd like to show you some, uh, try and share the screen as we, as we kind of go along. Um, so there we go. Uh, can I ask before we, uh, before we kick off, if you could grab your Bible, I think it's going to be easiest if we kind of read together. Um, so I'd like to invite you to, to grab your Bibles and uh, let's, uh, let's share the word to, to, together this morning. Um, I entitled the sermon uh, Jonah Corona and um, I'm going to, I hope you can bear with me um, as we are going to take a bit of a break from, from Revelations and uh, from Ross's incredible word and blessing. And uh, thank you, Ross, for the incredible encouragement and working us through revelations in these um, last uh, few weeks. And so this morning, um, I've got something in my heart that I've been, that I'm mostly grappling through. And um, as you can see, uh, I subtitled it, Who is the Greatest? Or Humility Cures the World. And uh, it's a little bit off, offbeat, so I, I pray that you'll give me a little bit of grace to, to kind of work through something that I'm just seeing prophetically in the season as we're going through. And um, I'd like to use this opportunity to, um, to come and share what God's, God's showing me. So I think this is one of the stories that is the most well-known story in Scripture in the Old Testament. And um, so we're not going to read through the whole book of, of, of Jonah, but I do pray that you'll take this time out in this week somewhere, or maybe somewhere this afternoon or this evening, just to go through the story of Jonah. It's a very short book. It's a very short story. Um, and uh, I'd like to start with a little introduction, a few things just so we know who Jonah is, maybe that you, you don't know. So Jonah is a prophet that prophesied that Jeroboam II would take power. And we read that in 2 Kings uh, 14 verse 25. And Jonah, the word Jonah actually means dove. It means peace. And uh, Jonah um, is uh, a prophetic sign of the coming of Christ, the coming of Messiah. We see that in Matthew 12, uh, verse 38 to 40, 41, as well as Luke 11, 29 to 32. One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the one sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. All right. And uh, whereas Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn them, for they repented of their sins at the preachings of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. And um, there's, there's, um, there's a few things that we take out of the story of, of Jonah. What we see, first of all, is that um, God through Jonah comes and says to the Israelites that his heart is that the Gentiles be saved as well. And that's the first time we see that um, as, as largely as we see with, with the story of Jonah and the story of Nineveh. Second of all, um, death, that he'll be resurrected from death, that for three days that he'll be dead 
And thirdly, what's a very interesting thing is that Jonah means dove and the Holy Spirit came upon Christ like a dove. So we see these analogies um, in, in, in the story of Jonah with, with, with Christ. And so let's just take a little bit more of a background look at Jonah. So Jonah is the fifth book of 12 minor prophets. Um, and rather than being a collection of prophetic utterances, it's a story about the prophet himself. So what's really interesting is if we look at all the, the prophets, they come and give their utterances, it's poems, it's writings, it's warnings that they go. But unlike them, Jonah's story actually is the story. And um, during the time of Jonah, we see that Jeroboam II uh, was, was king. He ruled for 41 years. It's the longest uh, Jewish king um, um, that reigned. Um, he was a very evil king and did not uh, devote his life to God. Um, as we see, as many of the kings, unfortunately, didn't do. Um, the Jewish kingdom was great and prospered much under uh, Jeroboam. He did amazingly well. Um, and at that time, Nineveh, uh, was the capital of the of Assyria, and Assyria was the leading kingdom of the day. So the Assyrians were in in charge, large and in charge in that time. And what we see in Nineveh is that we believe there was up to a hundred and twenty thousand people living in Nineveh in those days. And um, what we need to understand about the Assyrians is that they were very very violent. And so I know when we when we read scripture, we go, "Come on, Jonah, seriously, dude, why would you run away from God?" What's that about? But basically, he was going to his enemy. He had to, God had called him to go and minister to a generation and to a, to a nation that, that, that was violent. That was, it's like going almost to, to, to a gangland um, and trying to go and preach to the gangsters and knowing that they're violent and there's a chance that they, that they would kill him. Now, another interesting thing that I'd like to show you guys, if I may, um, is I know that for many of us, we think kind of like, okay, so you kind of, you know, he hopped in the ocean and then he hopped out and then, then the next thing is in Nineveh. But as you can see on this map I'm giving you, um, we don't know exactly um, what type of fish it was, first of all, um, that, uh, that swallowed him up. And we also don't know where he spat him out. But it was basically, just to give you uh, a roundabout idea, that Jonah would have had to have walked between 600 and 800 kilometers to get to Nineveh. So it was quite a long journey that he had to take um, after the fish had just had, 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 um, spit him out. And I think I, when I hear the story of Jonah, I always thought, you know, he spat him out at the doorstep of, of Nineveh, but that's not at all what happened. So there's a long time that he had to uh, reconcile and think um, and, and work through all of this and, and work through his fears and similar to kind of what we're going through, right? Going to, 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 to um, wherever the, the Lord is leading us this time, but this walk through this time is this preparation time that, that you're going through and, and, and working through what is happening, uh, why the corona, is it of God, is it of this devil? And I think um, as, I'm, as we're going through this, what I'm recognizing and seeing is prophetically that there's a lot of confusion going on. There's a lot of misunderstanding going on. There's a lot of, 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 of fights going on, internal fights of, of what's happening. But before we go into to that actual side, I just want to uh, mention a few more observations as I read here. Um, so the Lord used, and I mentioned this earlier, the Lord uses the book of Jonah as a prophetic sign for the future redemption of Christ for both Jew and Gentile. 
Israel needs to know that God's grace extends equally to all who ask for it, and his judgment fell on all who disobeyed, and that include Israel. Um, the deciding factor was faith and obedience, not ethnic or um, religious background. Um, and that the leveling of everyone before God cleared the way for Israel to understand that her world mission was redemption, not condemnation. Isn't that beautiful? That God, through the story of Jonah, is telling us that he's not yet to condemn us. That's not the heart of God, but the heart of God is redemption. And I'd like to put that in front of us at this point. And just another interesting um, fact about Jonah is that uh, Yom, Ki uh, Yom Kippur is the holiest day in, 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 in the year for, for Israel. Um, it's somewhere in September. Um, and on that, it's, it's on that day that they read, um, that they work through atonement and they read the story of Jonah every year um, on this beautiful day that they, that they celebrate, reminding themselves that God comes for everyone um, and that God, the Messiah, and them, you're not even knowing that the Messiah is raised from the dead. Isn't that beautiful? That every year the Jews actually also celebrate this. But the part that I'd like to really focus on is the part of Jonah's heart and um, the heart of this prophet. Now, remember, Jonah was a prophet in that day. He'd already prophesied the king is going to happen. He's an he's a, he's a, a accurate prophet. He's, he's recognized the prophet, not maybe as much as the, the major prophets. But this was a man of God, a man that really prophesied um, God's heart and was able to connect with God and hear God's voice. And so what's happened is we know the story well. He comes to Nineveh and he preaches to Nineveh and the entire city of 120,000 people start repenting and they're going to fasting and ash cloth. And, um, and then this, this happens. So this all happens, this beautiful thing. And, and Jonah walks through the city. If I remember right, it says it took him three days. The city's so large. It took him three days to, to walk through this entire city. And he just said, you know, the, um, the kingdom of God is coming. You need to repent. You need to turn from your violence. And this whole city repents this whole city turns and he says if you don't um in 40 days god will kill you all and so we read from jonah 4 this change of plans greatly upset jonah so god decided that he's not going to destroy uh, nineveh he's not going to bring his wrath upon nineveh um and this is how jonah responds and he becomes very angry so he complained to the Lord about it. Did I, did I not say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get um, angry and filled with unlove, um, unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive than if what I predicted will not happen. And the beautiful thing is we, we often look at the Old Testament. We see God is the God of, of wrath. God is the God with the stick that wants to beat us. But as we can see, Jonah here is quoting Exodus 34 verse 6, where the Lord passes Moses and Moses declares that God is compassionate and mercy and slow to anger and filled with unla un, un, unfailing love and faithful. And so this is the heart of God. And instead of the prophet rejoicing here, 
And this, this is the prophetic challenge, I believe, that, that, that I'm seeing in, in the world today. Um, God gives us favor as Christians. God gives us favor. I mean, how much more favor can you have than going to a city and the entire city repenting? I mean, any pastor's dream, if you can have an audience of 120,000 people, and as you preach, 120,000 people go, this man's on it. This man is of God. This is truth. And people turn. But instead of the prophet responding correctly, instead of him going, praise God, he's more upset that his prophecy has not come true and that God changed his, his heart because of the repentance. He's more upset than that, that he'd rather die than live. And I believe this is a prophetic challenge that we're seeing in today. Um, and we see that God's heart is for the lost. We see the importance of obedience. When God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh, he runs away. The, the, the obedience was God had a message for Nineveh. And we see the heart of the prophet. So it's kind of calling versus the heart. So many of us, we, we know we've got a calling or, or we, we believe we're calling into a certain direction. Um, and a certain ministry that God releases out, be it being a, a, a plumber, be it being um, a school teacher, wherever God has placed you and called you, that's the ministry is, is released to you. And so to walk in our calling sometimes is easier um, than walking in the heart of Christ in that calling. And um, when God releases us in work, he really does give us favor and we trust in God's favor. And we see with, with this prophet, he had incredible favor. Um, as I mentioned, with his ability to preach at a level that's just in, incredible, really incredible. He had a 100% um, conviction that, that hit people. I mean, any pastor would wish that when he does a sermon and says, who needs the Lord? Please come to the front. That the whole church comes up to the front. You know, and then you feel, wow, you know, God has really ministered through me. Um, Never mind when you have 120,000 people. I mean, that's, that's kind of like Reynold Bonker um, and these great evangelists. When you see it, these great crusades, how these thousands of people come to the front. That's kind of like the experience that Jonah was having. And not only that, but Jonah is this prophetic utterance of the coming of Messiah. Obviously, he didn't personally know that probably at the time, um, being in the, in the belly of the fish. And it does ask, does that then mean that God had planned for him to be in the fish if it's a sign of the coming Messiah? Go pray and think about that. We're not going to get into that today. But um, something that I want to, want to really zone in on is the fact that, and if you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis 10 and so long, um, something that I'm noticing in the Bible from the very beginning is this thing called pride, this greed that we seem to have. And if we read Genesis 10 verse, let me see if I can get this quickly up on the screen here. Um, Genesis 10. Sorry, here we go. Cush was also an, um, an ancestor of Nimrod. He was the first heroic warrior on earth. Since he was the greatest hunter in the world, his name became proverbial. People would say, this man is like Nimrod, the greatest hunter in the world. And um, we live in a, in a time and a space where competition is, is healthy, but it's very much from the word go. I mean, even as a child, you have your siblings and from the word go, there's this rivalry and competition that goes on. And I remember 
I came from a, I come from a small town. Um, I was born uh, and bred in in Algon, and I was there in primary school. And it's a very small school, so um, did very well in school. In primary school, was seen as 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 a uh, um, as one of the leaders. I was one of the fastest guys in school. Um, ran really fast. Did gymnastics. Um, you know, did tumbling, went to essays and, and, and would always walk around with, with my tie and, and all these merits and in, in the competition, everyone's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and, and um, so, you know, like a typical little kid in, in school. And, and then I went from the small town and um, we, we know the, the, saying, the saying, you know, um, the small pond and the, and the big pond. And I went to a, a more prestigious um, school in, in Stellenbosch, as many of you, as many of you know. And suddenly, I go from being top of, 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 of the class, you know, very popular, fastest kid in the class, um, always winning um, competitions and stuff, to coming stone lost. Um, not quite stone lost, but really just being in the middle, just being very, very average. And um, I mean, I had guys that were running in, at essays. We had uh, swimmers that, that uh, one of my friends um, in, in, in school swam, swam for essays. Um, and all these guys doing incredibly, incredibly well. And here I am, um, not being able to do anything great. Uh, didn't do gymnastics in high school. Um, so I didn't have anything that could really elevate me to the level that I've been um, um, elevated before. And how it reached my identity and how the competition was so strong in that school. You know, you had to play first team rugby and first team hockey. Um, and you had to do well at athletics and cricket and all these sports and, and such great opportunities. But what we see is the competitiveness that we see in the world. And it already starts here in, 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 in Genesis. We see this competition. And a competition that we also read about, which is one of these strange things in Scripture, is, and we're speaking about who is the greatest. We see this competition amongst the disciples. And... Uh, in more than one occasion, in, in different occasions and different places in Scripture, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, um, how the disciples argued amongst themselves, but who would be the greatest? And let's, let's just read the Scripture in Mark 9. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they did not answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. So Christ being all-knowing, he sat down, called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Who welcomes a little child will be like, uh, will be this on my behalf, welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. Isn't that beautiful? And um, we see that the disciples, for them, it was um, in the Jewish customs. It, it was, you know, who is the most important Pharisee and who was the most important teachers of the law. And these disciples who were just most of them being fishermen realized, but there's a chance for me to make it. I might just be great. I might be famous. I might be do great things because I'm with Christ. I'm the closest to, 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 to what God is doing in this lifetime. And they recognize who Christ is and they've had the revelation of Christ. And it led them not to a place of humility, but it led them to decide who of them would be the greatest. 
And isn't that so sad? And isn't that so true for what we see in today and in the age of today? And we see once again in, in, in Matthew 18, the same where Jesus says, you know, for those of you that, that want to um, be the greatest, become like a child. So, and then in verse eight, Matthew 18, verse one to four, I'm not going to put it up. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There's this very interesting scripture in, um, in Jeremiah. Let me just put that up for us. And um, the world of greed. Jeremiah twice speaks out um, in Jeremiah 6, if you want to go read it, in Jeremiah 8. And uh, Jeremiah 8 verse 10 says, I will give their wives to others and their farms to strangers for the least, from the least to the greatest. Their lives are ruled by greed. Yes, even my prophets and priests are like that. They are all frauds. Now, I know this is kind of a bit of a hectic word and where am I exactly going with this? And as I was saying, there's something prophetically that I'm seeing in, 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 in this season is that for many people and for many of us, we are always seeking the place of being the greatest. It's, it's, it's interesting if you, if you look at sales, right? A lot of us are in, in, in uh, the business world and we, we work with sales and we, we work with products and we, we're looking at the economy um, and we see how weak the rand is at the moment. And um, an interesting thing that I'd like to share is, so many of you would have heard of, um, obviously, um, Dale gave an amazing sermon the other day of what Corona means. And Corona uh, is, is, is the crown. And the reason that COVID-19 is called Corona is because it looks like it's got these little crowns all over it. And um, so what happened was in 2017, um, the Corona beer, for those of you who knows a little bit more about beer, um, there's a beer called Corona, and I believe it originates from, from Mexico. So they were one of the biggest selling beers in the world, doing great, like, like one of the big boys. And um, in 2017, they sold 28.8 million hectoliters. A hectoliter is 100 liters. So... 28.8 million hectoliters that they sold in 2017. In the end of 2019, when Corona hit, hit China, they lost 4.3 billion um, rands worth of sales because of the association just with the name. And... Um, so what we often are about is the sales. You know, you, you obviously work for a reason and you have to earn your, your money because when you bring in money, you'll be able to pay your staff. Your staff means a greater force, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's so interesting that everything we have is so based on power and greed and being the biggest and the best. And um, so what the Corona beer is working through, they had to close the factory uh, earlier already this year, they had to close all factories and they're trying to work out how are they going to come back just by the association of the name Corona. And um, so my, my point is here is, and I'm not saying that Corona beer is, is, a, is, a, is 
full of greed. I'm just putting some stats in front of us. But what I am saying is that I would like us in this time and in this time as we're reflecting through many different things, as we're walking between being spat out by um, the, the big fish and walking on the way to Nineveh, I'd like us to think about where's my heart at? What is God saying to me? What, what, is, what is truly the heart of God? And as I was mentioning, I'm seeing so many different prophetic words coming through, so many prophetic um, utterances that makes absolutely, be, to, be, to be dead dead honest, no sense to me. None whatsoever. As the other day, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook again. I unfortunately have to be on Facebook um, with Relief Life, which I'll speak about a little bit later as, as we end off. Um, and I'm posting what, what we're doing and how we're responding and what are the responses and stuff. And, and I saw a, a person that I know very well. Um, and this person was doing a live stream. And I, I just happened to click on it to see what was, what was this person saying. And um, she considers herself a prophet. And all that she was focused on in a whole session was that God wants to give you money. It was all about you and God wants to bless you and you need to have a lot of money because that's the heart of God. And I'm thinking at this time, as I'm working through helping many people and, and recognizing the great need that people have and how many people are starving um, and, and don't have food in our, in our country. And I'm seeing this great need for greed. And instead of us going, Man, my heart is to be the least here. We're going, how do I be the greatest? How do I, in this hard time, make sure that I have enough finances and that I am secured? And what I would like us to, to, to ponder on and what we need to work through is, what is the antidote that God is calling us to? What is the antidote? And um, there's a few things that uh, God enlightened to me in Scripture that I'd like to come and show famous um, beatitudes blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of god and listen to this beautiful i took this from the the new king james version uh james 4 but he gave more grace therefore he said god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, and I love the title that that the, and that's why I put it in there. That the New King James then says, "Humility cures worldliness." Therefore, therefore, what? What is that? Therefore, they're saying. Therefore, in other words, therefore, because God resists the proud and He gives grace to the humble, therefore, submit to God. So, what I'd like to say is, humble yourselves unto God, then you'll be able to resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. I think we, we, we know that scripture so well, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But that's not the full truth. It says we have to submit to God. And how do we submit to our God? We need to humble ourselves so that we can obtain that grace because he gives more grace. And that is once again, the heart of God. And once again, uh, Jonah realizing and seeing that the heart of God is to give us and extend to us grace. And I think this is what I'm really lacking in what I'm seeing in this time is the, the lack of humility that I'm seeing and that I'm not seeing in the bride of Christ. In places, I'm seeing it incredibly. And, I, and I'll share some of that just now as well. 
There is incredible people doing incredible work in this time that have stopped their factories and started making and producing just so people can eat. There are incredible things that the Bride of Christ is doing in Durbanville. And, I, and I'm preaching this morning to the saved. I'm, I'm so in love with this church. I'm so in love with the, the way um, you guys are giving and responding and, and blessing. And it is so amazing. And I want to encourage you to please carry on giving. Something that Dale said in his sermon was that we've been stacking and hoarding until this point. God has been allowing us to collect to this point. So now that we are in a time of need that we can give. And I'd like to once again put that before us is that now is not the time to, to, to worry about how much finances, how am I going to come out of this? Is there a future for me? What will happen with my pension fund in 20, 30 years time? Now is the time to say that God has given me in abundance. How much can I bless? How much can I give? How much can I show the humility and the love of Christ to my neighbors, to people around me? Many of you are driving around for your neighbor because you know you've got a person that's staying uh, next to you that, that can't um, drive or doesn't have a car or is too old and, and you're blessing them. And I want to say, carry on being that light. Carry on being that voice. Carry on showing the love of Christ. And um, Matthew 19 verse 30 says, But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. In Matthew 23 verse 11, The greatest among you must be a servant. And I am so thankful and impressed and blessed by what's happening in Shofar Durbanville and, and, and many of the Shofar churches as God is blessing and doing amazing, amazing things through our lives just by us opening our wallets, opening our hearts and asking, how can I serve? How can I be a blessing? And um, as Ross was saying, Anushka them are feeding um, 600 people every day just at their one site. They're almost feeding 1,000 people throughout all their sites a day. 1,000 people is 400 liters of soup. I don't know if you have a clue what 400 liters of soup looks like. I have no idea. I was speaking the other day to, to, to uh, Anushka and she's saying, Bernie, have you any idea who buy soap at this? Anushka, I have no idea. Uh, and, um, but thank you so much for serving there. Thank you for the team that's just putting their lives at risk and saying, I would rather feed. I would rather be out there. Thank you for those that have been blessing mess and supporting them. Um, and it's so beautiful to watch as many of the churches are coming together, the Ingekak and OGS um, churches and charismatic churches and denominational churches and non-denominational churches coming together and serving together and building the kingdom of God, showing the light. Thank you to Melissa um, in Delft and the team that's doing vouchers in Delft. And I would like to just encourage you to say, guys, this is not something that's going just to nowhere. It's not just, um, you know, a, a blanket. It's people that we've got relationship with. It's the ECD teachers that's helping feed children. And um, it's making such a vast difference in those people's lives and into the community. And such a beautiful place to show the heart of Christ for the heart of redemption and salvation for all. And um, I've been involved with uh, Relief.Life. We're an NGO that does disaster, that um, focuses on disaster management. So I've been rather busy the last um, few weeks um, being coordinating, advising, and consulting many NGOs and, and many churches and many of the Shofar churches. And just for instance, in Amarnas, um, 
the guys in Amman have opened up their hearts there. The church is really blessed and really just said, Lord, we want to be the light. We want to show the grace of Christ. We want to be a true prophetic voice of not just talking about the goodness of God, but showing the goodness of God. And on, on up to um, Friday, we've been able to feed 61,236 people. Isn't that amazing? Just by the generosity of the church and the town and people in the town and um, some amazing things. And one guy, he did a, a fun run around his house and he did a hundred kilometers, uh, not a hundred kilometers. He, he ran um, 25 kilometers. Um, I don't know how many times around his house and um, he had all his neighbors watching and they all started saying that, but they, they want to get in, involved. And then they st he started a charity run uh, and that money came in. And um, just people are just saying, okay, how can I bless? How can I be part of something? Um, how can I show the love of Christ? How can I just be a good, good Christian or a good, good human being in this time? So guys are doing these charity runs around their house. So if you've got a big enough garden, um, maybe you should think about something like that. Um, maybe a good time to start a, a fun walk if you're not a runner uh, like myself, rather start running. And um, so I've been watching just the, the church respond um, I'm involved with Shofar East London's doing an amazing drive, Shofar Stellenbosch, Booster. We've got a, uh, a bunch of farmers that phoned me from Ashton and said, Bernie, we've got all this, this produce. We, 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 we can't get rid of it. Um, and we want to feed um, our local communities. What can we do? And I helped them put a program together. Um, and they're running a, a, a soup kitchen now. Um, just bringing this little bit of fish that they have and a little bit of bread and just being the light and, and just wanting to love on people and to show how good God is. And um, we have so much to give. And um, maybe financially you are, are not in the ability to give right now, but maybe you can give of your time or you can give of um, prayer or just phone up a friend. I've had so many friends of mine, personal friends that have lost their jobs and I've been able just to, to encourage them and speak to them and bless them. And so many people that's going through great fear in this time, um, just being able to just, just to be a friend and just to reach out and say, man, we care. We, yeah, I'm here. And uh, my phone's 24 seven online. And I'm just saying to anyone that needs help, come and help me. And um, one thing I do want to share is that on our Facebook page, people are coming on our Facebook page and every day I get up to 10, sometimes 20 people just saying, please help me. I'm hungry. And the overwhelming need and people just reaching out and saying, I need, I need help. I need, I need, I need truth. I need, I need food. I need something. I need someone to hear me. And I, I tell you the, the, the need is just so overwhelming. So can I, can I ask that as we ourselves working through this whole Corona and as we're working through COVID-19 and we're trying to work through this ourselves, can I ask that you don't make yourself the greatest in your own life, but humble yourself and say, but Lord, what are you doing amongst us? How can I, with the little bit that I have, how can I encourage? How can I give? How can I be a blessing? I can tell you even just a WhatsApp to a friend, just a word of encouragement, just a scripture makes different to people's lives. And it's something I've noticed just sending scriptures out as the Lord lays people in my heart God just connects and they just say, Bernie, that means so much to me. It's just something I was working through and thinking through. And so I don't want to belittle the own, our own fears and our own brokenness and our own humanity in this. But what I'm saying is 
that we're all in the same boat together. And that the only solution for all of us is Christ. The one who died on the cross and is now raised from the dead and sitting at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ. And, and if I may further say, please don't entertain yourself with all these prophetic words and all these, these, these documents that's being sent and all these fearful things. And <clears throat> there's so much confusion, so much information that's being sent all over all the time. And I want to encourage you to put off the social medias, put off and spend time with the Lord. Let us together hear what God's saying. You can join us in intercession. Please WhatsApp me if you're not on the intercession group. We pray every Tuesday morning, every Thursday um, afternoon at half past five. We come together and we're hearing God's voice together. And we've had some beautiful, beautiful times of really connecting with the Holy Spirit. The one day God just said to us, um, I said last Sunday, God just said to us, just, just be still. Just, just wait upon me. And we literally sat there waiting upon the word on the Lord. And, and Gabby um, got a beautiful vision of the Lord. It was so encouraging. It was so meaningful. And after so much to pray accurately in this time. So I welcome you guys to say, Lord, I shut off all this craziness. And I know um, if any of you are like my wife, Matty works in, in, in the corporate industry. She's working harder now than she's ever worked. It's crazy. And, and I recognize that we are... We are running families and jobs and you're working from early hours to late at night. But maybe during that coffee break, when you're on your way to make yourself a cup of coffee, maybe just take a moment to pray for someone or encourage someone or build up someone or um, you, you know, phone a friend and uh, walk to the coffee, coffee station and say, but I just want to have a quick chat. How are you doing? Are you okay? How's the family? Um, God bless you. God keep you. And uh, please encourage Anuska them who's doing incredible work. Um, Melissa with the kids and with, with Delft. There's so many people that's just serving out of, uh, out of their abundance and, 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 and out of their, their own brokenness. And I can tell you that as I'm working through Corona, I'm realizing and listening to Ross's sermons on, on, on revelations, I'm realizing my own brokenness and my own need of Christ and my own, how I've fallen away from my first love, how I'm so similar to all those churches and how in my own life I've allowed things to step into my life. And it's such a great um, time to reflect, but I don't let that be the only thing I do. I say, Lord, as I'm going, let's make a difference. Let's bless, let's walk. So guys, give, bless, serve, and um, allow the Lord to come and, uh, truly use you in this time and we are partnering with jesus christ we have the same spirit that raised christ from the dead inside of us that we can just encourage and speak life and that's the beauty the beauty of prophecy when you're seeing someone that's being just shackled down at this time um, through what they're going that you can speak life over them and raise them up and speak into their spirits and speak life over their spirits and in closing i want to close with this beautiful scripture And I call this the great test. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you gave to me. And as we know, they'll say, that, but when did we do this for you, Lord? And then he says, for those that you've done for the least, you've done for me. And so when we are giving, blessing, helping the sick, working through this, when we do this, we are doing it for Christ himself. 
And so I invite us to partner with what Christ is doing and Christ is feeding and Christ is blessing and Christ is giving blankets and Christ is, is the one that is the one we're doing this all for. Not just for the people, but for Christ himself because that is the heart of God. I pray that this is not a, a condemning word. If it is, please shut this down. Don't listen to this word at all then. It needs to come from a place of conviction. And I pray that God will just give us small places of conviction where we can truly bless people and truly walk with people. So if I may, and, and, I, and I welcome you to say, guys, we are the light. This is what you've been discipled for. This is the moment that God has prepared you for your entire life to be the light, to be the truth, to be the anchor. Because Christ is the only anchor, but we can put people into that anchor. <clears throat> and so, as I said before, please, guys, shut the, 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 the door on, 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 on all these foxes that's ministering all over and all these prophecies and all these theories and conspiracy theories and is China now taking over the world and, 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 and all these things. I would like us, if I may, in this time, in this storm that we're in, in the storm what you're going through as we're going through, as mankind is going through a storm, keep your head going in the direction that God's calling you. Do what God's called you to do. Be diligent in your work. Be diligent with your family and be diligent with your neighbor. Love your neighbor in this time and let us be just an encouragement and a word and the light in this dark, dark time. And um, I'm very emotional as I speak about this, as I'm seeing so much that we're doing and seeing the joy and um, the work that we're doing in Stellenbosch. We're feeding as many students that wasn't able to go home because they come from Africa or they come from poorer areas and, we, and, and we're busy feeding them in Stellenbosch. And just the WhatsApps we're getting from everyone and the thank yous that people are getting, um, that we're getting from people, just people say, you have no idea what this means for me and my family. And um, so I want to say that a little bit that you give, a little piece of bread goes a very long way in this time. Let us pray together and consecrate this time together. Thank you for, for um, being with us um, today. Thank you for those that were at the Grow Groups this week. It's been really great spending time. Um, thank you for spending time in small groups with one another, continually to do so and um, talk about one another, how we can help maybe um, with the MESS program or, or with the DALF program, with our, with our ECD program. Um, if you don't have the banking details, we can send you those banking details if you'd like to financially give. Or if you want to help, as Ross was sharing, we're now going to open up the urban church to, to package and to, to sanitize and then to, to be able to feed people. It's a big process. There's a lot of logistics that needs to be done. So I welcome you to say, man, I've got a bit of time on my hands. I would love to be that. I'd love to do that. And um, so please contact the office. Please contact myself, Ross, um, or Anushka, and we'll make that happen. That you can also come and serve or just come and drop off some, some food there. Let us pray. Father, in this time, we come and bring you our nation. We come and bring you the world. We come and bring you ourselves. And um, Lord, we thank you for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that where we fail, you cover us. Thank you, Lord, that we can have grace and grace in abundance. I pray, Lord, that we will humble ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that you do not resist us. 
but you give grace to us. You give grace to the humble. And we come in this time, Lord, and as mankind, we are humbled. Lord, we recognize that everything we build is, is just worldly stuff, Lord. It's just material stuff. It, 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 it adds to nothing in the end. And Father, thank you that we can have that revelation again, that we can recognize, Lord, as we go through this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, and we want to live Christ and be Christ to this world and shine Christ. Lord, we recognize that we are fallible, broken, and, and, and very human in many different ways. But thank you, Lord, that you come and by your grace, you allow us, as Uncle Angus always said, to be one beggar to show where another beggar where there's food. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for eternal food and eternal water where we will never thirst again. We drink of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Lord, I, I just thank you, Lord, for every person that's responding in this time, every person that's giving in this time, Lord, and everyone that's sacri sacrificing and sacrificially giving in this time. We worship and praise you, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your heart, Lord, is for redemption. Your heart is for atonement. Thank you, Lord, as, as Jonah was able to miss it, Lord, that when Christ came, his heart was totally different. Your heart, Christ, was so different than Jonah's heart. Your heart is truly for the people. And we thank you, Lord, that we can turn our hearts in that same place. Not that we can boast of what we're doing and how many people we're feeding and what great programs we have, but, Lord, that people will see Jesus, that people have a moment to recognize Christ. We thank you for the salvations that's happening in this time. We thank you that all of heaven rejoices when one person gets saved. We pray for the salvation of our, of our nation, Lord. I'm so reminded with Pastor Sias that prayed with the police in Stellenbosch this week. And um, all the police came together and, and, and many people came together in, 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 in law enforcement just to come and pray and to humble themselves and to seek you, Lord. We pray for more moments like that where people will seek you because of the overwhelming need, Lord, that we're recognizing. We know that Christ is the answer. But, Lord, it's not enough for us to talk about Christ. It's for us to live out Christ. Help us in this time to live out Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.